We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Tuesday. I'm joined by my guy, Sean Davis. We're going to talk a little Notre Dame and then Notre Dame Wake Four, Sean, because this is an interesting game this weekend. Uh, and, and from the standpoint of, I mean, there's a lot of interesting storylines. Notre Dame trying to bounce back from a loss to Clemson. They've got to get some positive momentum back. We'll talk about that. You've got the Sam Hartman versus Wake Forest storyline, which is obviously very interesting. Obviously, Sam Hartman spent five years at Wake Forest, left as their all-time leader in just about everything it related to what the, the quarterback position outside of what? Rushing, right? Rushing yards. And and then, of course, there's there's the, the bigger picture aspects of, of, of Notre Dame needing to finish the year strong. The reality is, is this is the type of team that Notre Dame has smacked in this season. And, and, and I know that like everybody wants to focus on the losses and, and rightfully so, because at Notre Dame, you're judged on how you play in the big games, right? And in the big games this year, Notre Dame has not played well. Uh, and, and by big games, I mean, you know, big time opponent, big time moment, right? And right now, Notre right. Dame is to me two and three in what I would call big games, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you lost Ohio state, you lost to Louisville, you lost to Clemson, you beat Duke and you beat USC. And, and that's obviously not good enough. And you come to Notre Dame to, to win those games. However, we often forget that in these type of games, Notre Dame has really smacked people. I mean, there's been a lot of beatdowns that Notre Dame has handed out on people this year. And that's why this game is going to be very interesting for me, Sean, because this is a game Notre Dame should win and win comfortably. But mm-hmm. where's the team's head at? And I think that's something we're going to learn a lot about this team. You know, they went through the bye week. Did they, did they wallow in self-pity? Or are they going to come out with a little bit of P&V, be a little fired up and, and, and you know, kind of end their home careers on a high note? That that's something we're going to find out, and, and all those storylines make this a more interesting game than it otherwise should be against a team that's four and six. If we're being honest, so we're not we're not hyping yeah. this up like it's a big game because Wake Forest is a big win. It's more about it's a big game because it's going to tell us a lot about this football team and and what its mindset is and the ability of this coaching staff to get them to rally back from what was an incredibly disappointing, incredibly disappointing loss to Clemson. And it was disappointing, not so much just because of what happened on the field, but but more so even in the disappointing losses last year, 
Uh, those are the ones that kind of blindsided you, right? Like Marshall blindsided you, Stanford blindsided you. But for the most part, you come over the, off of those losses and you see the preparation going into North Carolina. You see the preparation going into a Syracuse game, which at that point was viewed as a difficult game on the road because Syracuse had a pretty good record at that point. Then the preparation before Clemson, and you watch and you're like, okay, Marcus Freeman really does a good job of getting his players ready for big games. And they play well on the road in those big games, right? North Carolina, Syracuse, road games. Right. <laughs> Notre Dame came and, out and started fast. early this year too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So now it was kind of a departure. And you start to worry like, okay, Louisville, Duke, Pitts, like what's going on with Notre Dame on the road? So now – like you said, it points to something else we want to see to start the season, right? We want to see Notre Dame treat the teams that were inferior to them as they should have been treated. And that's what Notre Dame did for the most part early on in the schedule. You still want to see that. Like, you don't want Notre Dame to let loose of that because as Notre Dame builds this program and as Marcus Freeman gets three, hopefully gets a chance to get three or four recruiting classes under his belt, Notre Dame can have that foundation and then take the necessary steps to not be two and three in the big games on their schedule. You know, so last year it was the blindside losses. This year it's the big games and preparation on the road. Eventually next year, we hope the program, even though next year might be a young and less experienced team, you hope the program takes a step forward and cleans up some of the things they've had to deal with the first two mm-hmm. seasons for Marcus Freeman. And, and that's what was like that. Sad and that's what was so troubling about the the Clemson game, Sean, if we can just digress for a second was because Notre Dame did start off well on the road again under Marcus Freeman. You know, mm-hmm. even though Ohio State lost, they battled their butts off. You know, they played their butts off, they lost a better team. The USC game was the anomaly. You know, they did play well at North Carolina. They did play well at Syracuse. Uh, you know, they they played really well for a half against Navy. And then you come out this year, you go on the road, you beat what has turned out to be a pretty good NC State team. You know, it's a seven and three football team right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, they haven't played very well on the road since then. You know, struggled at Duke, struggled at Louisville, and struggled at, at Clemson. And in every instance, it was just a team that was not fired up and sharp like they were against North Carolina, like they were against Syracuse. And that's, mm-hmm. that's turning because you have to ask yourself, like, okay, what, what, what is there? And does that, negativity or not negativity does that performance the mentality behind it start to bleed into some of the home games which up to this point it really hasn't yeah and and that's the thing that's so frustrating is because this team looks so much different like there's somebody in the the chat one of my guys a guy loved loved the guy but he's like you know the offense is regressing i'm like the offense is not regressing a week before the clemson game that offense went down the field against pitt first team and second team Yes. Right, they stopped Notre Dame. Notre Dame stopped themselves with bad plays, and and the week before they they did everything they needed to do, both sides of the ball, to blow out USC. And and the thing is, it's not regressing. It's this Jekyll and Hyde, and and, and that's the thing. That, and then he just said, you know, inconsistent may be a better term. That's the thing. That right yeah. there. That's key, Brandon. Is that's where where I'm with you. Is 
like last year, November, Sean, we just, we had a level of consistency from Notre Dame from an emotional standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, right? Outside of a bad second half against a triple option team without J.D. Bertrand, Notre Dame down the stretch was just good week after week after week, home or away. That's what's so troubling about this, what we've seen in year two is we are seeing so much of this from this football team down the stretch. And can they stop that in these final two games, right? That's what I'm, that's what we need to see because here's the reality, Sean. There's no way I'm speak for myself. You can speak yeah. for yours and respond whether you agree or disagree. To me, there's no way that Notre Dame can end this season with what I would call a successful season. When you look at as far as when I term successes, did you meet the standard? Did you live up to expectations? Did you at the very least meet what I felt was the floor of what this football team could be? For me, the floor was 10 and 2. That was the floor of what reasonable expectation should be for a team that was going to maximize what you were going to get from a very experienced football team. You know, we talked yeah. about, you know, you've got a veteran quarterback that was highly productive. You you can't say, hey, we you know, quarterback, struggle to quarterback, right? Having said that. Just because it, it isn't going to end on what I would call a success doesn't mean you can't end with momentum. And mm-hmm. that's what name is right now. And a perfect example is 2014. That team was a dumpster fire heading out down to the end of that season. Lost yeah. four in, a row in the season. Lost to Northwestern at home, who was terrible that year. Lost to a freshman quarterback in Reggie Bonifant, who eventually got converted to wide receiver at Louisville. You know, you lost to USC. You, you you lost Arizona State in the game. You had every chance to win despite being down 34 to three and at one point, and it just was a dumpster fire. But mm-hmm. I've considered that that team had more momentum going into the offseason heading into 2015 than they had in 2016 when they were a 10 and three team, only lost to three top five opponents, but they lost their last two games. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what Sean is there's nothing that they can do that's going to make me say, hey, Great season. Totally thrilled. Couldn't have gone any better. Totally happy. They move the needle. Gap closing season. That's not possible anymore. I don't care who they play in the postseason. But it doesn't mean that you can't build towards the positive energy that you need to go into the offseason feeling like, okay, now we've built on it. Yes, we didn't. Now let's learn from what we didn't do right. We've got some momentum. Now this thing another step. That's to me what's at stake this weekend, Sean, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Notre Dame has just two games left in the regular season, and this weekend is the home finale against Wake Forest. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to either game or to your favorite concert or comedy club, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. You're, you're right. They have an opportunity to jumpstart next season right now, right? And take advantage of these two games. Then something that programs that develop love bowl preparation. It's not just about the game, but the opportunity to get extra time to develop your young players and give them more reps is invaluable. Heck, Alabama brings in their early enrollees and gets them involved in bowl practice. They don't play, but that's an experience, you know, for the early enrollees. So I want to take that because you pointed out the end of that 14 season. Um, Malik tells me all the time, Brian, as bad as it might have looked to everybody on the outside, on the inside of the locker room, and he credits a speech that Cam McDaniel gave the team during bowl preparation for kind of like locking them in and how locked in they were once they went into the offseason. He said from that point, through the entire summer into the fall, no one had to tell us to do extra. And that's something that I think can be established. But I want to bring this up as well, you know, because they're talking about going to the portal and part of going to that next level and being locked in might include, or more than likely is going to include a fourth quarterback, regardless of what type of quarterback he's going to be. That's probably going to be a fourth quarterback on the roster. And what's interesting to me is we look back and we might be able to talk about the deficiencies of Drew Pine. But Drew Pine was, this is the only way I can say it, because I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to get a point across. And if you can find a better way to say it, please jump in. Drew Pine was one of us. And when you have a leader, no matter, dude, it doesn't matter what we thought about Drew Pine. What did those guys in the huddle think about Drew Pine, right? Michael Mayer went to bat for Drew Pine multiple times. So Drew Pine had something that was part of helping to be Notre Dame, having Notre Dame locked in on the road. And although you bring in a quarterback like Sam Hartman, he is not 
Notre Dame from the ground up. So you kind of ask yourself, okay, when things do get difficult, what well is he pulling from? Mm-hmm. Like Drew Pine had a well that he could pull from that was, yo, I went through the mud, the blood, the sweat, mm-hmm. the tears with these guys. And it just makes you question like, okay, going into the offseason and building on Wake Forest, Stanford, and moving forward, and all of us want to see the young players play, get an opportunity. Let's see them develop. You know, people mm-hmm. are talking about, man, should we not play Sam Hartman? Should we play Steve Angeli? And all of these things. All of these things should have been on the table, should have been a discussion, should have been a conversation. But ultimately, moving forward, like, it's going to have to come from, as much as we want to talk about coaching, these players are going to have to say, yo, we didn't get it done in the big games, but we're going to finish this thing out. Like Marcus Freeman said, we're playing for these 31 seniors. But that goes beyond that. It goes beyond Wake Forest and playing for these seniors. We're playing for Notre Dame. We're Notre Dame, man. We're Notre Dame. And regardless of all the disappointment this year, what we're not about to do is we're not about to allow this thing to go off the rails. There, That's that's the key. And that, as much as we want to talk about Marcus Freeman, a lot of times in programs, that type of stuff comes from the leadership and the guys in that locker room to be able to say, we will not allow this to happen on our watch. It's got to come from both, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And, and here, here's the issue that I think has happened in Notre Dame. The reason that the previous the players in the past regime were that way is because they had to be. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't that figure that they looked at as a, he's going to lead us type mm-hmm. of guy. I think two things hurt Notre Dame this year, and, and that is, is that, that I believe – one of the faults of this program, and, and this is especially on offense, is they looked to certain guys to kind of fix it, whether it be the head football coach, whether it be Sam Hartman. Mm-hmm. I, I understand where you're coming from with the whole, you know, Drew Pine was a leader and the players rallied around him and all that, but I saw them do the same thing in, in the bowl game with Tyler Buckner. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is this that team didn't have a quarterback that they could count on to make plays. And I think everybody knew they had to step up. I think there was a mentality with that football team, a toughness and an edge with that offensive team last year, that even though they lacked talent, you know, when, when, when a play needed to be made late in the year, Braden Lindsay made it, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think of, you know, Michael Mayer made it the logic or Logan, one of those two. And in some instances like Syracuse and, 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 uh, and Clemson, both, stepped up and made plays. You know, you think of Braden Lindsey went out with a big game again in the bowl game, but he also had that great behind-the-back catch against Navy. Against you know, Navy, Michael Mayer, yeah. Jaden Thomas made some big plays down the stretch, and he was very mm-hmm. good for Notre Dame. And yeah. I think what happened was is you had a, a, t- a bunch of players, and they're like, hey, you know, we don't have that guy at quarterback. We have a tough, hard-nosed kid. We've got to step up and say, hey, we are going to to lead. And I think this year there just was far too much of just relying on Sam to do things. And when Sam showed unable to – he was unable to do that, he couldn't put the team on the shoulders the way that they had hoped maybe that he could. And so there was – it just seems to be on this team, and it gets to a little bit of what we talked about last week, Sean. There just seems to be a little bit of a waiting on someone else to step up and do something on this team, especially on offense, but even to a degree on defense, you know, against 
Clemson. There were plenty of times somebody needed to step up and make a stop before it got yeah. to 31 23. Now they made stops after Clemson got to 31. Yeah. But they didn't make enough stops in some of those situations where, you know, you could say, oh, the special teams gives Clemson at the ball at the 41 yard line. Okay, that sucks. But don't give up a 41 yard touchdown on the very next play. Make a stop, hold them to a field mm-hmm. goal. And and they're just they're just has been lacking sort of that and, and I hate to use expression because I don't but I don't know any other way to say it and I, we all know what I mean. There's just no killer instinct with this football team, in my opinion, at, at on a consistent level. Sometimes there is. When they smell blood in the water against USC, they went for the kill. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the ball. When when we saw it, we did but we didn't see that against Louisville when Cam Hart forces that fumble in the third quarter. We didn't see the offense have that same focus. Now they, they now talk about blame all the coaches all you want. They called a play that got Chris Tyree wide open for a touchdown. Quarterback threw a bad ball. Receiver dropped the ball that still should have been caught, even though it wasn't a good ball. Mm-hmm. And and so that's my frustration. Is there's plenty of things, Sean. You, you and I have had plenty of private conversations. You know the, some of the frustrations I've had with the game plan, play calling, and certain things like that. But the fact of the matter is, the play calling has been good enough to win almost every game. But yeah. part of the job of an off, and this is what uh, people think that that's a defense of the offensive coach. Quite the opposite. My my problem is more of the preparation that goes into getting them to Saturday does not yield a fiery, consistently tough physical football team. Remember when I called you during the Washington Utah game this week, and I'm like, I'm watching this game, and I'm like, these teams are just more physical than Notre Dame. It's not that yeah. the Notre Dame kids are soft or they don't try hard, but they're just not. There's just not that. I want to punch you in the face football from this yeah. team. And despite the fact you've got three starters coming back from last year's offensive line, we don't see that. And, and so, and, but then they can point to games where we did see that killer instinct. We saw that when they had a chance to put NC state away, man, they went for the kill. And we saw it against USC. We saw it against Pitt, And then it just disappears at times. And to me, that's what I want to see not be gone. I want to see that be present in the next three games, including the bowl game, because that to me is more, that type of thing is more important. And there's far too many people focusing on things that are not foundational issues. Play calling is not a foundational issue. I've said this a million mm-hmm. times. If you have great coaches Monday to Friday, play calling can just be okay on Saturday. If you got good players, they're going to dominate. Guys, I'm watching Georgia. They do some stuff here pass game wise. It's nice, but they're not an incredibly creative offense, in my opinion. They're just incredibly well coached. And so guys know how they know how to run routes. They know how to block. They know how to hit the hole. They know how to show. They do all these things correctly. They throw the ball with good timing. They're a very well coached football team that plays with fire every week. Now, they're not always sharp, right? Play calling is not always good. Georgia's fallen behind in like each of their last five games. Doesn't phase them. Just come out and roll you. And and that's what we were lacking is like to me that's the bigger coaching issue from this football team is that that this team just does not have the same this team is just lacking some of the fight that we've seen from past teams yeah. it's it, and that's probably a bigger concern of mine and that more than anything is what I want to see Sean and I I have it we talked about this I want to see this team come out on and Saturday and play with fire because this yeah. is pride time. This is no longer look. New Year's six is no not really an option anymore, unless there's just insane chaos the next couple of weeks. I just don't see how it happens. Right? That's yeah. not an option anymore. Playoff has been gone since October. I want to see this team finally say, "Hey, we're playing for something else. We're playing for legacy. Yeah, we're playing for what we're going to leave our what what veterans. What is the mark you're going to leave at Notre Dame? 
that that's what you're playing for young guys yeah. what what memory do you want to leave in the coach's minds as you go into the offseason hey coach uh you know when you're thinking about what your depth chart's going to look like when we get to spring ball i just want you to remember what i did in practice monday to friday the last two weeks and what i did on saturday whether it's running down on kickoff or being on the offense or defense i want to see this team come out and play with fire because if this team does not come out and play with fire on saturday it's going to very much make me question what did this staff do to build this team in a way where the fire we saw so much early in fall camp in early games where this team came out with energy what killed it what killed it why did it go away and and uh but if it comes back and we see them finish this way the next two games in the bowl game then it says hey look there are some issues that need to be addressed and fixed but they're yeah. all fixable they're not things to panic over you fix them and you move on. You keep it bringing in new players and better players and, and, ch- and continue to change the culture and just be more consistent because how you finish is going to go a long way towards how we feel about this football team. And I'm not talking about winning because the fact of the matter, Sean, winning should not even be a question the next two weeks. Stanford and, and Syracuse, I mean, Stanford and Wake Forest stink. They do. I'm not going to try to tell you all anything different. We're going to talk about Wake and they got a nice player here and a nice player there. They've lost six or seven football games, guys. They're not good. This is not, it's not about winning. If they go out and win 24 to 17, I'm, hey, they got the W. Nope, process over results, baby. And so that's what I want to see, Sean, first and foremost from this football team is I want to see a group of players that come out with fire because I want to see this team develop that same us against the world mentality that we saw from past Notre Dame teams mm-hmm. that, that they just don't have. And and then Marcus Freeman can kind of figure out some of the other stuff in the offseason. And, and, and I hope that he's, you know, realizes that that this isn't good enough and doesn't make excuses for for why they lost which I'll be honest I'm a little bit more concerned with from some of his more recent press conferences hearing more of that yeah. than we did last yeah. year yeah. uh but that could also just be you know saying the right thing publicly but behind the scenes he's he's pissed and handling business we we don't know we'll have yeah. to see what what changes he makes but I'm I'm hopeful that that's the case I'm hopeful that he's playing you know, the good positive guy in, in public and, and, and all that and trying to, you know, he, he hears the noise. And so I'm trying to take some of the pressure off of this guy or that guy and saying these yeah. things, but behind the scenes, it's like, Hey, we got to get this done. But step one, wake forest, come out on Saturday and play with fire. I can deal with mistakes. If you play hard, I can deal with missing a block. If the rest, if, if, when you're, when you're, you know, the next play you come out and you're, you're fighting and battling and mauling people. I can deal with a guy running yeah. a, right, a wrong route if he does it 100 miles an hour and comes back the next time and fixes it and makes the play. I can deal with Sam Hartman missing a read if the next play he comes back and it gets over it and makes that play. Same thing on defense. I can miss. I can deal with a guy missing a tackle if on the next play he lays somebody out, right? Th- those are all things I want to see. That comes from fire. And more than anything else, that's going to that's gonna be something I'm looking for on Saturday that's going to tell me a lot about who this team is. Are they just going to go through the motions? And kind of you know get back to that business like approach that we saw under Brian Kelly that we all wanted gone. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get back to being the team that plays with the fire and energy of their young coaching staff? Right that 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 seems to have lost its way a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I want to see what this team is going to be. I'm very interested because Marcus was the most frustrated I've ever seen him at a post game press conference after Clemson. You could just it was like wearing on him and. I do agree that Marcus is trying to keep the good face publicly mm-hmm. and kind of keep things 
connected. Because that post-game of Clemson, if you watch him, you could tell it was certain things that he was thinking, but he was still very measured. Yeah. But you could feel like the disappointment and the anger about certain things. Like when he was talking about throwing that pick six, you could tell, like, yo, he said the most, like, we can't do that. And he, right. he knows that. So it's like, man, this is the first time I've seen him like kind of show that he's been very complimentary most of the year, even with some of the earlier mistakes. It's like, it's almost like he's at his wits end. Like, look, man, yeah, this is not what I expected. You yeah. know? That was a basic, this- basic play, basic yeah. read, yeah. day one install type of stuff. And you yeah. can say, oh, play calling. Oh, okay, there were two guys open on that play. You threw the one guy you shouldn't have thrown to. You shouldn't have thrown to. And it is the frustration is starting to set in. And now he gets a moment to reset, right? And as he resets and as he talked about the things that they conversed and, and, and discussed over the bye week, what they focused on, he broke it down from the conversation about the transfer quarterback, the offense, defense, even went to the special teams. And in that, initially I said, man, I wish I would have heard you know, coming off the bye week, man, this young guy popped in practice. That young guy popped in practice. Because at this point, the fan base, that's really what they're holding on to, right? The future, right? But as a head coach, he still has to coach this team, these young men, and the rest of this season. And so balancing that, you know, and balancing that, I think we're seeing Marcus Freeman, you know, kind of comport himself the way he did yesterday. But at the same time, you know, moving forward, And I gave this example, Brian. Look, I went to a high school that is now nationally known for basketball as far as high school recruits and producing NBA players. At the time I played there, we were laying the groundwork under our legendary coach, Herb Ray, who's no longer with us. And um, it was funny because in Chicago, there's a relegation system. Meaning if you are the bottom two teams in the conference, you drop to the lower division and the top two teams in the lower division come up to that comp, that uh, division. So what it does is like everybody plays hard all year and no one wants to be the bottom two teams. So you'll literally go down to like the last conference game and it is a battle because you had these teams battling not to be one of those bottom two teams because everybody wants to be in the red division in basketball in Chicago. And, you know, now we build up, we build up, and now the expectations at my high school are totally different. They don't expect to lose to anyone. They have a Alabama-Georgia mentality, right? They play modern day from California. They'll go play teams in New York. Dude, they, they should beat everyone. When we played, we knew we weren't at that level. So, Brian, we expected not to beat Simeon. Dude, that's, that's Alabama, Georgia, and Chicago basketball. We expected not to beat Whitney Young. That's Alabama, Georgia, and Chicago basketball. But I tell you who we're not going to lose to. Now, that's the attitude we had because mm-hmm. we knew we were building something, and we knew we weren't there. But we have the attitude, hey, we're going to make them play. And more than likely, we're going to come up short. More than likely, we're going to come up short to Juwan Howard and CBS. But I get you, I bet you what, when we go down the street to Julian, oh, we're going to kill them. Mm-hmm. There's, they have no chance. And for me, 
That's the attitude I want to see in this program. It's not that I don't respect Mike Elko and Duke. It's not that I don't respect Jeff Brom and Louisville. I know both of those guys are great coaches. We knew Jeff Brom was a great coach when he used to bring Purdue teams into Notre Dame. Or we went to Purdue and faced them. That's not the question. At some point in that locker room, as players, you got to say, God, we Notre Dame, man. We're Notre Dame. This is the standard. And, hey, Ohio State, okay, Ohio State's on the schedule. That's going to be a toughie. We got to see USC and, the, you know, the defending Heisman, champion, Heisman uh, Trophy winner. That, that might be a toughie as well. But I guess, guess, guess what's not going to happen on our watch? Duke's not going to happen on our watch. Louisville is not going to happen. As you said, Brian, we can sit up here and talk all this stuff that's ancillary and on the outside that's not foundational. What's foundational is that locker room, man, which goes back to when I talked to Chris O'Leary two years ago. And all the coaches in the room, I asked Chris O'Leary, I said, man, you guys, you're coming in. You know, how are you guys focusing on continuing the tradition of success that the Notre Dame program has had? And he said, honestly, it's kids in that locker room that have been to two college football playoffs. and." To, to be honest, we're kind of following them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the ones that are setting the tone. And you have to have a balance in that. Yeah. As Especially now that, yeah, because there's not a lot of guys on the roster left that have done as, that. Exactly. As that leadership yeah. changes, and the yeah. leadership dynamic changes every year, Brian. It's almost like you might not know what you're going to get year to year until you really get things lined up and in order. Like if once Marcus Freeman gets three class, I this is I told Ryan this. I said, look, I have a feeling the 25 class might be the best class Marcus Freeman brings in. Potentially. And I said, I said, <laughs> I'm 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 getting that vibe. And I said the Ohio State game, if it had gone a different way, would have been man, huge. Huge for the narrative of Notre Dame and also for recruiting. You didn't get it, so you missed the opportunity. But there are still some things you can do moving forward, which is finishing strong. That's the key, right. Finishing strong this year. I think, too, predictions now have them possibly playing uh, LSU. LSU or Tennessee January 1st. Either way, you're playing an SEC team. So, okay, now you're playing an SEC team, you get that victory. All of these things are building blocks, man. Right. Everything can't be perfect, but you have to take advantage of the opportunities that you do and have. That's that's here now because sometimes, Sean, the culture can become so toxic. And this is a mm-hmm. general comment, mm-hmm. you know, with a team, you're like, hey, wait till this one class shows up. But if you don't build it the right way, mm-hmm. that class is walking into the bad environment. Mm-hmm. And that's what Notre Dame has to avoid. That's why these next two games are so important. That's why this weight game is so important because, look, there's going to be some big-time players in the stands on Saturday. Deuce Knight's going to be in the stands on Saturday. Ivan Taylor's mm-hmm. going to be in the stands on Saturday, among many other players. And so what 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 taste are you going to leave in their mouth? Like, wow, Notre Dame just went out against a 4-6 and six football team that's gotten smacked yeah. by every good team they've played. And, and man, they just – they won, but it's just like, man, like, just not feeling great about it right now or do you say hey look we had a crap week last week 
We're, we're, we're coming out. We're, we're ticked off. I just want to see this team play pissed off. That's really what it comes yeah. out to me. It's like, that's a pride thing. Yeah. You know, Sean, you can talk about like your, your basketball stuff, but what happens when you did lose to one of those teams that you were supposed to beat? You, you Do you hang your head and, and, and oh, get all no. in your feelings or do you come out no. pissed off and be like, and that's the difference. Like, that's what I'm not seeing from this team. Like, who is the Drew Tranquil figure that after the Georgia game says, I feel really bad for the teams we're about to play? Because mm-hmm. we're going to take it out on them. Does Notre Dame have? Does this Notre Dame team have that kind of fire? Because to me, if I'm Marcus Freeman, okay, and you talk about the players need to do this and the players need to do that, there's a lot to that. Because here's the thing: I can't instill pride in you. You either have that or you don't. I mm-hmm. can't instill fire in you. I can beat it out of you, but I can't put it in there where it doesn't exist. Where's your pride of of your craft? Where's your pride of? just being a man and just you got humbled last, you know, two weeks ago and you got to sit in that for two weeks. I want, you know, I shouldn't have to do something and say something to make you pissed off and come out in that next game fired up and ready to go smack somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm sitting back evaluating all this, right. Part of this is him culture shaping, but part of the culture shaping is, you know, like Sean, any, any good garden, any good tree, like healthy, you know, anything like that, that you're trying to grow, there's always pruning that needs to take place. Absolutely. Okay. This is part of the tree that got has to get cut off and thrown away, or otherwise it's going to infect and kill the entire tree. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of part of, well, hey, you know, he was asked yesterday, you know, who are all the guys you want him to bring back? Like, he's just going to list all 26, you know what I mean? Like, come on, guys. Like, some of the questions are, I was like, what do you expect him to say? Like, this is why I just, can't listen to those things anymore. It's like, what, what do you want him to say, guys? What do you, what do you want him to say? Like, nah, we don't want this guy back. We don't want him back. But we do want him back. Nah, not so much him. You yeah. know, because then the same person who asked that question, if Marcus only asked list like five guys, I'm like, well, he didn't talk about this guy, this guy, and this guy, so clearly he doesn't want that guy back. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. whatever. But here's the thing. It's, okay, you didn't respond to that loss. You just kind of went through the motions the next week. Mm-hmm. Note to self. I, I don't I don't want that's not that's not the kind of mentality I need. I'm hoping that Coach Freeman's doing that from a coaching standpoint and from a player standpoint. I'm gonna see what coaches are pissed off. Yeah. I want to see what coaches go on in the next week a little bit with a little bit of P and V because they're they're humiliated by what they they put on the field and not just yell at guys. That's not fixing yeah. it, but are yeah. going out there saying we're gonna do something different to try to fix this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I want to hear them be a little ticked off. Those type of things, and and so same thing with the players. I, I want to see like, okay, I was I wasn't I was on the fence about bringing this guy back, but these last two games, man, you know this this kid who's a rotation player and a special teams guy literally ran down on the first three kickoffs and laid people out. That's a guy that I want to go to battle with. Exactly. He may not be the you know what I mean. I want to see a linebacker that comes out there, or D lineman that comes out there, pissed off because how poorly he played against Clemson, and say I'm taking it out on you. You know, I want to see Riley Mills and Howard Cross, who didn't play great against Clemson, come out against this underwhelm, underwhelming Wake Forest O line and say I'm pissed off. I want to take this out on you. And right. and when we see those things, we're gonna look and say, okay, now that's a guy that I can build around. And if I don't see that from a, a veteran player, I don't want him. You know, it's like the old Mike Singletary went, can't do it. Don't want him. Can't win with him. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I yeah. want to see. You know, yeah. because that's part of this. That's part of this pruning process is like Mike Norvell had to go through that his first couple years of Florida State. There's some really talented players. And Mike Norvell said, you ain't got to go home, but uh, you got to get here. the heck out of here. Right. Yeah. 
and and that's part of what Coach Freeman is about. Now, now the kids that he needs to look at are not guys that are bad kids or getting in trouble. It's more about they just don't have that that fire. I'd rather go to battle with a run a freshman or sophomore that just is just a man. There's nothing that matters to me than just beating this guy across from me than some veteran who has more experience but doesn't have that same fire. Like that. That's why that's why I focus so much on this in the first part of the show. I want to switch over to the offense and the defense real quick too, Sean, because there are some specifics mm-hmm. I want to see, but that's yep. got to underlie all of it. That fire, mm-hmm. that physicality, that want to, that, that pride. I want to see like, and I don't mean pride in like the, 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 the biblical sense of, of it. I mean, just the, the man, I, I can't believe this happened to us. Like we, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We didn't leave the mark that we could have left on this program. That's gone but I'm mad about it and I want to go out there and do something about it. Cause yeah, I can't meet, meet that standard, but I want to go out there and just we're we're going right. to blow the next three teams. I don't bring LSU on, bring Tennessee on, bring whoever on because you are going to catch something when you get yeah. us in the bowl game. That's what I want to see. That's got to be, so that that's got to permeate through everything. We're the next two things we're going to talk about. When we look at the offense, Sean, the first thing I want to see is look, I don't care if you're young and you're missing starters and all these other type of things. There's one thing that shouldn't matter when it comes to that. And maybe you don't know as much of the offense. Maybe you're not fundamentally sound, but you know what you should still see? I want to see you play hard. I want to see you play physical. Yeah. I want to see you, whatever it is you're being asked to do, do it as hard as you can. That's been missing from the offense. And even in some of the games where they were playing well, there was some of that going on. I want to see this team come out, you know, whether it's, Ashton Craig starting at center or Billy Strauss starting at guard or, you know, well, aren't you excited about receiver, that though? I am, but I want to see, him, I want to see those guys step in and say, Hey, w- we may not always do it right, but mm-hmm. we're going to do it hard. Yeah. And that's the, that's gotta be the mentality. Jared Parker gets out of this football team. That's that more than anything else, more than the other two things and you know, play call. I want to see this offensive staff show me they have the ability to get this group to come out and say, Hey guys, we're young, we're banged up. You know, we're this, we're that. None of that freaking matters. None of that has anything to do with whether or not we come out and play hard, physical, smack you in the mouth, Notre Dame football. Hey, I'm a freshman receiver. I don't really know what route to run right here, but I'm coming off the line on this run play, and I'm going to punch you in the face, figuratively speaking, from a football standpoint. Like, hey, Billy Shrouth, yeah, I don't expect you to be perfect every time. I don't expect you to grade out at 95%. You're a redshirt freshman who didn't play at all last year. But you yeah. know what? You know what you can control? How hard you play the game, how physical and nasty and mean you play the game. That's what Ashton Craig can control. And if they do that, I can live with technical mistakes. I yeah. can live with 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 assignment mistakes. Now you got to correct them and get better, but that's what we haven't been seeing. We haven't been seeing enough of that. And and that more than anything is something that this offense needs to get back because that's what they can leave, uh, you know, kind of going to the offseason with is that kind of mentality is we are going to go out, guys. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to do this. But you know what? I will not tolerate for another snap. You don't come off and physically whip the guy across from you. No excuses. Hey, Billy. Yeah, you're a redshirt first in our play, but you're still better than that dude across from you from Wake Forest. Go kick mm-hmm. his butt. And if you make a mistake focus in and go kick his butt the next rep. That's what I want to see. And that's what we've lost. And we haven't really seen that really since the Ohio state loss that Mm -hmm. more than anything from this offensive line, they lost that. 
and and they need to get they need to get that back. They need to get back that we're Notre Dame. We have a standard to live up to that's been set by all the legends in front of us, and we're not living up to it. Not not execution wise, but mentality wise. And we're going to go out and say, you know, look, we're 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 going to make mistakes. But I promise you one thing, we will never, ever again not be the most physical team on the football field because they weren't the most physical team on the football field against Clemson. They weren't the most physical team on the football field against uh, Louisville. They weren't the most physical football team on the field against Duke. They weren't the most physical football team on the field against Ohio State even. Now, they, they held their own, but at the end of the day, when it mattered most, they got beat on fourth and yeah. ones, fourth and twos, third and twos, you know, um, last drive of the game, trying to run the ball and throw screen. Like they didn't do what they needed to do. And that, that can't be tolerated in, anymore. And, and that's something, that's what Joe Rudolph needs to get out of this group, Sean, because, and it's, it's him, it's Chancey Stuckey's receivers. It's, yeah. it's the running backs who have been so good all year that Yo, were terrible in pass pro against Clemson. No, that's, you that's know? been, that's been since Navy. We, we do, we can talk about every game. Every game, some running back has missed or whiffed on a blitz. Yeah, we've seen it at times, we, but it was seen it constant against we've Clemson. We've seen it, and that's it's almost like it's almost like all right, look, and to watch Aldrich estimate be one of the guys. Yes, that had it happen to him against Clemson. It's like, wait a minute, hold on, like, no, you should be leading the way. Because this right. is a problem against Navy. It cost Sam Hartman a couple of big plays against Navy because he's getting hit as he th- he's throwing the ball. Jeremiah Love as a freshman in his first game, I'm like, okay, I I I expect that. I expect him to get better, though. I expect all the running backs to get better. But to watch Aldrick Esme and Javon Payne, you know, just whiff on blocks like that. And those are supposed to be your tough guys, your physical yes. guys. Yes. Right. That and and, and that, that, that's about. the thing, Sean. Like last year, Notre Dame physically whipped Clemson. Yes. This year, Clemson physically whipped Notre Dame. That that's just the way that it went. There was and, that, and that was me, their only chance, Brian. Right. And and to me, that's what I'm saying here, Sean. That's where I'm coming at yeah. is when you're Notre Dame and you get out athleted or you get outplayed because you know you're inexperienced, you can somewhat live with all that stuff. Yeah. You, you can. You can somewhat live like with you know, like look, they're they're just not as good there as they are because there's no Jaden Thomas, because there's no De- – guys, we can't act like not having Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey is a non-factor on this football team. <laughs> right. Right? We, we can't act like that's not – now, we also shouldn't act like the offense should understandably be this bad against good teams without them. No, right. there's a happy medium there, right? And and there's still issues you can do, but it's like when you get out physical, there, there's, no, there's no coaching like – blame there that that's got to be at the first and foremost a player thing i i don't need joe rudolph to tell me if i'm someone who has pride that hey i shouldn't have got my butt kicked in that game i don't need him to tell me that now he can tell me hey why hey man look you, you know you didn't take a proper lead step and all that kind of stuff that's fine and that's what a coach should do but I, where's my pride to say i don't i shouldn't have to have marcus freeman ride me or a team leader ride me because i didn't come out and play hard enough or physical enough or you know whether it's a running back an offensive lineman a defensive lineman Mm-hmm. You know, a linebacker or whoever the whoever it may be, and and so, yeah, that, I I keep going back to that because that's the biggest thing for me offensively. The other thing to me is I want to see an offensive staff that's aggressive from here on out. I don't want any freaking excuses anymore for an offense that's not aggressive. I don't. 
I don't want to hear crap about, well, you know, we just got to win more of the 50-50 ball. What 50-50 balls? What, what 50-50 balls did you throw against Clemson? You're not throwing them. I, I didn't see any of those. I mean, no. what, what 50-50 balls are we talking about? What 50-50 balls did we there. see against Pitt? I saw one 50-50 ball against Pitt, and it got caught by yeah. Chris Tyree. And it was actually two on one, so it was actually like a 33-67 ball since there were two Pitt guys there. You know what I mean? Like, what was the 50-50 ball we saw them not catch against USC? You can't catch it if you're not throwing it. And 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 that, to me, is a lack of aggressiveness. That That's the philosophy thing we talk about. That yeah. and, and, and when every time I listen to Marcus Freeman talk, Sean, and, and you know I'm a huge Marcus Freeman guy. I want him to win. I think he has traits that can lead to him uh, lead yeah. to him being successful. But until he looks in the mirror and says, I can't, I've got to treat the offense like I treat the defense, I expect greatness from the defense. Yeah. I expect the offense to complement the greatness of the defense. That's his philosophy. Now he may not, he wouldn't say that, but that's a, just, essentially what we're getting from you him. Just want him, you want him to be all in on what he's saying. Yes. See, Georgia, for me, what upset me about what he said the most, and I man, I I listened to this. I said, let me listen to this again because I don't want to jump out the window, you know, and misinterpret. But when he started talking about taking shots down the field. It was almost like he viewed missing on a shot down the field as a double negative. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold no. on. I'm like, dude, shots are shots. It's one play. Right. It's, it's the same as if you ran the ball and got a negative. Which happened a lot loss. on first yes. down to them. They didn't yes, stop running. It's, it's right. one play. Right. If this shot didn't work, then you know what? Come back and take another shot. Or let's set ourselves up to get it to third and four, but like stop viewing, taking a shot and it not working as, oh, well, we tried. So it's almost like he views it as a turnover. Yes. Like, like he views like throwing the ball down the field and it not being caught as a turnover. Like, here's the deal. If I throw three deep balls and I only catch one of them for 40 yards, I promise you that my yards per play on those three plays are going to be better than the three best plays you had on any run you had the entire game. Yeah. Right. Like that's the frustration with it is like, but you don't view that if you bring a blitz home, you don't tell Al Golden when the blitz doesn't hit home. Hey, man, don't do that again. Don't bring that blitz again. Or if right. you play man coverage, which is an aggressive coverage and you get beat on a play for 25 yards, you don't say, hey, man, let's go to zone the rest of the game. No, you don't. You correct the mistake and you move on. And that's the mentality that I'm talking about, Sean. When you look at this offense is it's like if the offense does something, that doesn't work. It's like, don't do it anymore. Throw that mm-hmm. out. Don't take that risk. The risk is too great. And when I watch Georgia, the, the thing that changed about Kirby Smart, the reason Kirby Smart went from being a guy that coached a good football team that could never win the truly win the big games, right? You know, early in his career, couldn't beat Bama. The only SEC title he won his first four years is when they beat Auburn in a rematch of a game they lost 40-17 to 17 earlier in the year against Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. Lost to Bama in the, in the SEC title game the next year. Team that got upset, you know, got smacked by LSU in 2018, <laughs> not 2019 LSU, 2018 LSU, beat him 36 mm-hmm. to 16 before, you know, they got really good. And then, of course, they played him again the next year, got blown out by him again the next year, uh, lost to South Carolina at home, one of those teams. Here they were four and eight. They just couldn't win those big games. The team that went from that to the team that beat Alabama for the title and has just steamrolled everybody since then is he understands because Kirby was very similar to Marcus Freeman. Don't screw up on off. We're going to run the ball, control mm-hmm. the clock, shorten the game. The offense is meant to protect the defense. That's how they lost the 18 he, national championship. Bingo. Bama. Bingo. He when he it. realized we've got to be great on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. that's what changed with Kirby Smart. 
is and 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 we'll take some chances. We'll we'll take some shots, right? We're not going to throw the ball down the field a million times a game. That's not what anyone here is asking for. No. We're not. But you, you can't be the team that 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 is just so afraid to make a mistake on offense that you paralyze yourself. And that's basically what we're seeing. And you can blame Jared Parker all you want. And I'm, again, this is this is not a defense of Jared Parker. This is a simply to point out that guys, this is a problem that also existed last year. Yeah. You know, this is a problem that's existed for quite some time. And until you figure that out, the rest of it's really not going to matter a whole lot. It, it, yeah. it really isn't. And and that's where I, I come down to, Sean. And I, and I just go back to the fact that you can't, you can't be one way against certain teams and one way against other teams because yeah. you're just, you're just, I mean, you can talk about young receivers all you want, bull, bull. Okay, you got too many weapons to just go in a tank and be like, well, we're too young here. Coach them up. Coach the kids up, right? Use your tight ends more. Use your running backs more. And and it's just the, the overall lack of aggressiveness. And, and again, people want to blame Jared Parker, and, and Jared Parker deserves plenty of blame, just as Gino Gadouli does and Chancey Stuckey does and Joe Rudolph does and, 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 and everybody that's associated with offense does. But the fact of the matter is, is until the head guy in charge demands – this and allows this level of aggressiveness of we are going to be an elite scoring offense and be an elite scoring defense because what teams like Georgia and and Clemson when they were great showed is if you have an explosive offense it makes your defense better not worse right because and again I'm not talking like you know, running a million plays and going super fast and, and doing Lincoln Riley does where your defense is always on the field. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, is yes, we're going to take our shots. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be creative because sometimes creativity is meant to get you a 12 yard gain or a 15 yard gain, not an 81. That's not what we're talking about here because that will, that, 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 that will then set up the big play opportunity. Yeah. And, and to me, that's what I, what, what, what is missing. And until coach Freeman, realizes that that yes you can be that way and you need to allow them to be that way which means you're going to turn the ball over sometimes yeah you're going to have an incomplete pass sometimes it's the lowest success rate play in football but you do it because the the reward is worth it you know and and that's mm-hmm. the frustrating thing is and he, he he focuses on efficiency on offense which is important but what i have always said and what i will take to my grave is that elite offenses are efficient and explosive. They're both. They're not just one. And, and you know, if you, Notre Dame should be better. Now, should they be an elite offense this year? No. The, 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 the injuries and there's been too many things that have happened that have yeah. kept them from being that, you know. But, it, the, but at the end of the day, the mindset's still there. And that yeah. until that goes away, it doesn't matter who the OC is or whatever else you need to make. And 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 I'm hoping that Coach Freeman kind of takes the handcuffs off a little bit these last two games and say, hey, let's let her rip, man. You know, because yeah. our off look, Wake Forest offense sucks. It is awful. You can you can, hey, let's take some chances this week, right? We're, yeah. we're playing a bad defense. I've got a lot of faith in our de- or playing a bad offense. I've got a lot of faith in our defense that if you put them in a bad spot, they're they're gonna be okay. Right. So let's take some chances. Let's 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 see if we can get this thing going. Let's see what you got with these kids. See what you got mm-hmm. with Jaden Greathouse. See what you got with Rico Flores. See what you got with Tobias Merriweather. Because if yeah. Tobias, this I said this the other day, if Tobias doesn't step up these last two games, I'm giving him chances to go make plays. I'm designing plays that are for him. Sam, throw five. The throw him the ball. ball. 
Yes. There's no read. We get single high, throw freaking five the ball. It's as simple right. as that, right? I want to see what two can do on certain routes. And if Tobias doesn't step up and make those plays, now I know, right? But I'm going to take – I'm not going to just like throw him once. He doesn't make the catch. He's like, oh, screw it. Take a scholarship boy. I'm talking about yeah. take shots. Go to him multiple. And if he doesn't step up and play, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. And so those are things that I want to see. L- l- let me see what Cooper Flanagan's got. Since I don't have yeah. Mitchell Evans, let me see what Cooper Flanagan's got. Let me see what Eli Reardon's got. Let me see if if Jeremiah Love can do some things out of the backfield or, you know, a, a little differently. Let, let me see what some of these guys have. And guess what, Sean? If it doesn't work, then you know. And you go into the portal and you go into the recruiting class saying, hey, you know, we, we gave you your shot. You didn't step up. You didn't play with fire. Yeah. You didn't make those catches. You didn't you didn't compete for the football. So when Cam Williams gets here, you that's my guy. Hey, He's like, give me your us. chance. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You're touching on something, and it goes much deeper, right? Because not only did we watch Kirby have to make that transition, his mentor had to make that transition. As he dominated with ground and pound, no mistakes, take care of the football, great aggressive defense. He dominated. And then all of a sudden, the Johnny Manziel game happens. And then all of a sudden, Lane Kiffin gets the old Miss, and they come to Ryan yeah. Denny and smack Alabama. It's like, okay, now the rest of the country is like, ha, ah, this is the way. And then Clemson that was Hugh, That was Hugh Freeze, by the way. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Freeze. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hugh Freeze with Laquan Treadwell, Chicago. Sure. Guy. Had two. And, um, Had two. Didn't he have the uh, – yeah. who's the other – that another Illinois kid on that team. Yeah, I forget his name. Was right. it Kandichi? Or was, no, Kandichi was, was from guy. Mississippi. Yeah, and then she was there was another Illinois guy, and they tried to recruit Miles Miles Morgan as well back then. They too, did, anyway, they did, they did. I, I didn't mean to so, disrupt you. No, this it this ew, Nick Saban had to go through this because college football was changing offensively, right. and he recognized. I think in the middle of a national championship game, like, yo, I need to go to this young kid that can throw the ball all over the field. I need to go to this Tua kid I against think, Georgia. But I think he recruited Tua. Yes, because because of he watched Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it started. I think the first inkling started in 2010, and I think it was easy to kind of dismiss it because you're like, well, no one's going to recruit the next Cam Newton. There isn't the next mm-hmm. Cam Newton. And mm-hmm. two years later, along comes Johnny Manziel, and just gave them fits. 
And then well, they, he probably they, thought they found, Cam was one of one. He probably thought that's what Cam I'm saying. Like, like there is no other Cam yeah. Newton, right? Yeah, like that yeah, was yeah. the first. That was the first cut. Mm-hmm. Then Johnny Manziel gave another cut the next year, and then in 2013 they bounced back and they handled Johnny Manziel the next year, and you know it's all good. And then 2014 comes along, and Ohio State rips him up with the spread run game, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a mobile quarterback and, and Ezekiel Elliott spreading the field and running the ball. Hey, you can run the ball out of 11 personnel and 10 personnel. Imagine that, mm-hmm. right? That was another cut that nobody talks about, right? And in 2015, they go down to the – like against Clemson? Like Clemson mm-hmm. took us down to the wire? Why? Because they spread the field. They got athletes all over the place. And we'd take nine minutes to go score, and then they'd score in three plays. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, okay – and then the next year when Deshaun did what he did to him, like, you know, and Saban, cause Saban thought the next year that they were just going to answer back the way they had in the past. Cause they'd always answered. Yeah. Ole Miss got him a couple of times, but then Bama found a way. And then they started smacking Ole Miss again. Right. And, and Johnny Manzo got him in 2012, but Bama got him in 13. Right. right. And, 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 you know, said, Hey, you know, we, we, you, you tried that mess last year, but but that's not going to work anymore. Their answer right? was always, "We'll just we'll just beat you up more up front." Right, right. If we can just and, pressure, that's what they did to Manziel in thirteen. They just right. pressured him, and Johnny couldn't make the same plays. Right, because they and they still scored on Alabama. They actually scored yeah. more on Alabama the next year, but it was kind of like some of it was like mm, coming well, back, and it just it was more mistakes. Eddie, Eddie, and, Eddie yeah. Jackson had a pick six, and then I right. think he had a punt return, and it was like. Right. Bama was right. able to score in more ways, and right. they played from out in front, as right. opposed to being behind most of the game. Right, you know, and then home. two two years after Hugh Freeze beats Bama at home, they go they they beat him sixty six to three. Mm-hmm. You know, then they beat him the next year sixty two to seven. You know, they they kind of figured it out, right? But part of the reason they figured it out is because once Deshaun Watson happened the second year, and he said we had a harder time in year two than we did in year one. This is just the way it's going. Mm-hmm. Then Nick Saban said, okay, we're going. And, and I think Tua, Jalen Hurts was meant to give them a little bit more. I think Jalen Hurts was an answer to just a mobile quarterback thing, mm-hmm. right? And, and that worked to a degree, but it was like trying to be who you have always been with a more mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he realized we need a guy that can throw the ball. And at the time, Jalen wasn't it. Jalen eventually became obviously a great passer. He's turned into that. But I, I think a lot of that had to do with Jalen. Jalen had it in him. He just needed it to be developed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Nick Saban was the guy to do that. Lincoln Riley was. And then obviously what, what's got happened in the NFL. But the point being here, Sean, is that Nick Saban finally said, hey, we've got to be able to we've got to be able to, to spread it out, throw to football. Now, what Nick Saban has struggled with in recent years is finding balance between I want to be that team offensively while still being a great defense. They've mm-hmm. struggled with that a little bit. This year they've gotten back to being a lot better on defense, and they're not as good on offense. So to a degree, Nick Saban has kind of struggled with being great at both. But Marcus Freeman should be from a generation that has a better understanding of how to do that. Kirby has found a way to do both. Now part of it's talent, right? I mean, you got to have talent. But, but we have clearly to allow something – Marcus to go through the we we have to allow Marcus to go through the same transition. Like he has to be willing to see it though. That's absolutely that's the question. But I I believe Kirby, Nick Saban, and other defensive coaches have the same stubborn season. 
They have the same stubborn right. season where they have to realize, you know what? And it might be easier. You know, it probably was real easy for Nick Saban once he saw Tua close out that championship game to say, right. oh, yeah, go get out. Oh, Devontae Smith, go, Jerry Judy, that Ruggs. Yeah, go get me all of these guys now, right. wide receiver. I don't just need – give me just one Julio Jones, right. you know, and I'm good. No, no, no. Go get me a whole right. room of wide receivers now. And I right. think maybe – I'm, I'm looking at this from a different standpoint, you know, because I can understand as a coach you probably feel a little bit more comfortable when you know that you have the playmakers in the building you know i'm just thinking like would i be more apt to take more shots if i know and trusted in the players that i have in the building which which takes me to and you, and you his, know his, who's his perfected that comments. yeah you know who really perfected that sean dabo mm -hmm. because dabo built a defense that was elite and mm -hmm. then he allowed his offense to be more aggressive knowing that he had that elite defense where, hey, if we make a mistake, now they still didn't turn the ball over a lot because he still valued protecting the football. You can value protecting the football and being aggressive because being aggressive isn't throwing into triple coverage. Mm -mm. Being aggressive is designing plays that are get allowing me to get certain ISOs and being willing to take one-on-one -on -one shots, which are low percentage completion, but also lower percentage interception plays if you throw the ball right and run the route mm -hmm. correctly. And Notre Dame did throw a pick on a play like that against Louisville but again that's why why are you throwing that to your six foot guy why aren't you throwing that to your six four guy or one of your tight ends or you know so I mean there's issues with it but like that's going to happen from time to time you can't mm -hmm. just go in the tank when it happens and that's the problem that we've seen is when those things happen it's just there's just a dramatic overreaction where everybody kept saying all year man you can't win you can't win with this guy throwing all those turnovers and Dabba was like watch me you know watch me because I'm yes. going to still win because the reward is worth it. And I have a defense that I know can – give me times the defense at Clemson bailed Deshaun out that year for dumb turnovers that he made? Oh, you lot. remember – let's see, and see, in context, you know, people were saying a lot about that year, about mm -hmm. Deshaun, because if I'm not mistaken, there was a game against Pitt that they lost at home. Late Deshaun in the year. Watson, well, Sean Watson threw the ball 72 times, bro. Right. In yep. that game, 72. Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? Yep. You know what that means? Do you know what the yard per carry for Clemson was in the run game up to that point? There's a reason Deshaun had to throw the ball 72 right. times against Pitt right. at home. Right. Right? So, yes, he threw three interceptions and had, like, six touchdowns and threw a, a key late interception. But, man, when you put the ball in the air 70 times, it's <laughs> – but, if but that's here's, what you have here's to do. the thing, though, Sean. Dabo knew we have to take those chances because mm -hmm. Deshaun's great because mm -hmm. the defense can bail him out, and the defense bailed him out a lot. But the reason mm -hmm. they were willing to deal with that is because they knew that Deshaun was also going to do things that were spectacular. Absolutely. Right. And now again, it's not apples to it's not apples to apples because Notre Dame doesn't have Deshaun Watson, and and there's yeah. some other factors to it. But the point is, you have these coaches that understood. Having an elite defense actually gives me more freedom offensively, not yeah. the opposite. And that's yeah. why I want to see these next two games. It's like, look, I have a great defense. They can bail us out if we make a mistake. Heck, I made the decision to go for it on fourth and 12 with nine minutes left at our own something yard line, and they held them to a field goal. 
we got a pretty darn good defense. So you're allow that. Describing, you're basically describing Washington this year. With, well, without a great defense. See, they don't have a great defense, but Caleb right. DeBoer is like, look, if we struggle, our defense is good enough. This is the best defense I've had mm-hmm. since my time here. This defense is good enough to this point to where if we really struggle, who is that they struggled against right after the Oregon win? At Arizona home. State. Arizona State. All right. We struggled. But guess what? We're going to 30-mile-power win last week against Utah. We're winging this thing. We're yeah. winging it. Like that's a right. be aggressive, right? And that is the attitude that I think. See, you have to believe Marcus Freeman. I believe him when he says this is not the offense I envision that we will eventually run. Because I think Marcus Freeman knows. When, when did he game, say that? This was last year. Okay. Somebody asked him about the offense, and he said, "This is not the this is not the offense that I envision that we will eventually be running at Notre Dame." I believe he knows. Look, the moves he's made tells me that he knows and recognizes in the program what needs to be done to take the next step. Now, executing that along with development and and leadership and him progressing as a coach and kind of taking the reins off and letting things kind of evolve as they need to evolve that's a whole nother question and that that's where i don't know that the offense is a whole lot different than what he Mm -hmm. wants it to be is because of the things he does say you know the the constant focus on ball control and efficiency and 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 then when he does talk about aggressiveness it's almost like he's got to be prodded into it you know and Mm -hmm. now again maybe that's because he's protecting his team he doesn't have a lot of you know whatever but i'm like yeah you do though you do. That's what I'm frustrated. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, you don't have, you know, but you've got Tobias Merriweather. Get him ready. You've got Jeremiah Love. Use him differently. You've got Chris Tyree. Use him. You've got Jordan Faison who can run. Use him. Mm-hmm. You've got Braylon James. Use him. You've got weapons that can run. Yeah. Use them. You're, you're choosing not to use them. You're, you ran, you know, Jeremiah Love runs two routes. He runs a slide route and a wheel route. Well, hey, guys, they've kind of figured that out now. You know, that we've seen that enough. They kind of know that's coming. We've been watching those same exact routes. How about running an arrow route from time? I think that's the whole thing is like, it's not just, it's just a mentality, Sean, of of the, the of what I want to see. And then the final piece offensively is I just want to see some creativity from this football team. And and we haven't seen a whole lot. And and, and not, talk about I'm that. not talking like that, triple reverses, throwback. That, you know, I'm not talking about, nuance. I'm just talking yeah. about little simple things. Like I, I'm watching, and, and it's important against Wake because Wake flies the ball pretty well. Right. Mm-hmm. If you just kind of run a straight play, they, they kind of flow pretty well to it. They're an aggressive defense. But any kind of trickeration gives them problems. And I'm talking about like I'm watching the Virginia Tech game and Virginia Tech goes empty with double stack outside and the tight end attached. And the quarterback just takes and pumps a screen, basically barely even pumps the screen. But he, they show it. Wake flies mm-hmm. out and the tight end just runs right down the middle of the field uncovered. That's creativity. That's a simple mm-hmm. concept. It's creativity. Mm-hmm. I watched them run a thing where, um, you know, they're doing RPOs and banging, you know, because the safeties at Wake are really aggressive, come downhill. So running, banging RPO and throwing a post behind it. Like, okay, that's kind of creative. It's not that creative. It's not earth shouting, but it requires some work and some, you know, I'm watching them do things with like play action and bootlegs where they're getting guys free. I'm watching Florida State do stuff like that where they're running like play action, just running quick bootlegs and out leveraging them. Like, that's not even that creative. We've seen Notre Dame do that in the past. And then they just mm-hmm. went away from it, you know, and it's like, we don't see it anymore. 
And, and that's the weird thing about it. And there's a question I need to answer on the message board. I haven't gotten to yet, but a, a guy was like, you know, he went back and watched the NC state game. He's like, there was so much interesting stuff. They did that game that we just don't see anymore. And that's the thing that concerns me is like, whose decision is that? Whose yeah. decision is it to just go so generically like dull? Because like you say, well, we, we don't have, we don't have the players, you know, that's even more reason to not do what you're doing, not doing what you're because yeah. by being this generic, you're basically saying you've got to win one-on-ones. And those What's are the things you, you see. What's, What's my what? What's your chess piece? My Did chess piece is Jeremiah Love. My, okay. That's my chess piece. That's my number I, one chess I, I, piece. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because I think what you just pointed out is you mentioned Georgia. And I told you in a private conversation, I said, moving into the playoffs, in the SEC championship game, the best thing that happened to Georgia was the injury to Brock Bowles. Yeah. I said it was the best thing offensively, right? Because they that was the thing that they held on to every game. They got in a tight game against Auburn that shouldn't have been tight. Man, just throw it to 19. 19, just go out there and dominate the fourth quarter. Yep. And he did it. Everybody doesn't have a, a 19. But he did it. He goes down. All of a sudden. The chess piece has – see, this is the thing. They didn't panic. They said we need a chess piece. It, going into every game, we got to have a chess piece that we mess with the defense. We motioned him, and it became Lad, Lad McConkey. He mm-hmm. was the chess piece. The way they motioned him, where they put him. Now the defense is like, okay, where is he at? What is he doing? And then they, they basically 75% of the time run crossing routes. That's all they run. They don't run a lot of different routes, comebacks, crossing routes, and they allow their quarterback to find the zone based upon how the defense reacts to their chess piece. But the, now, but the move guys around. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And last week, 19 comes back. Okay, now he's the chess piece again. And, dude, they use his motion, give him a jet sweep, fake the jet sweep, pull the backside. Counter, get the run game going, jet sweep him, and let him be the lead blocker on a quick screen out to the left. It was crazy the way they just used him as the chess piece to be creative pretty much out of the same stuff. It was like the same formations, the same stuff. But we're yeah, Sean, I, I got to interrupt you, man, because you're talking about Ladd McConkey. Notre Dame doesn't recruit receivers like that. They don't get the five. Oh, wait a minute. He was the number 187 player receiver in the country. Whoops, my bad. But Notre Dame doesn't have enough talent at receiver and running back to do those type of things is what I keep being told, right? And and Lab McConkey is a chess piece. Right. If Rock Bowers is not on the field. so Because he knows how to play. Yes. That's the thing. They know how to play. And, And that's what I get so sick and tired of. Oh, you can't do this because Georgia has nothing but five stars. Okay, Lad McConkey yeah. was a three star. No one even had him as a top one hundred receiver. Mm-hmm. Dominic Lovett, who's another guy they have, is was the highest ranking Transfer he had was number Missouri. two. He was his yeah. highest ranking was number two forty one, mm-hmm. coming out of high school. Right? I mean, the kid, the other kid, Rara Thomas, who's their other receiver, they have a lot. Another guy that wasn't even ranked as a top one hundred receiver, coming out of high school. You know, now Brock Kirby Bowers is turned into and Rosemary St. Jack is the most important receiver. Right. Right. He said, you know why? 
because he'll do everything. He'll right. do the dirty work. He'll run the inside route. Like right. whatever needs to be done. It's like you could talk about Brock Bowers, Lad McConkie. He is our most Brock Bowers is the number the 105 player in the country on the composite rankings coming out of high school. Right? Like that's my whole point is, but they know how to play. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They're not an elite players. Carson Beck's not an elite talent. He's not. They know how to play and they use them well. They do. Hey, we don't have elite one-on-one receivers. So we've got to do some things with crosses and meshes and high lows and and motions and shifts and things like that to get them open. That's why they're doing it. And then when they do have elite five-star players, those guys dominate, right? And Mm -hmm. I mean five-star players meaning because Brock Bowers is a five-star player. He may not have been ranked as one, but he is. is. That's the whole point, right? But none of those other guys, Ladd McConkey's not going to be a first round NFL draft pick. Like, no way. No. And and so the, but the whole point is John, because he knows they how use to those guys around. They they understand, mm-hmm. hey, who is the defense focusing on? Mm-hmm. How can we then use that to our advantage? And I don't see that from Notre Dame. I I don't. I don't I don't see that type no. of we we didn't see it last year either. No, we didn't. The last guy that we've seen really do that is probably Chip Long. The last guy we've seen be that be that kind of guy where he would, hey, they're gonna they're gonna be playing this guy, so let me use that to get Braden Lindsay open. Like he would do things like they're gonna they're gonna double team Chase Claypool, so let me have Chase run on a double a backside post route, knowing he's yeah. gonna take two guys with him, and let me bring Braden Lindsay on the delay over route and just fill that void of the, the double team. Remember he did that against Boston College in 2019, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know it's like it's wide open. Wide open. Now, was that because Braden Lindsay was an elite talent? No, it's because it was a great creative scheme because he knew that, hey, outside of Chase, I don't have a lot of elite players, you know? And so I've got to do things to use Chase sometimes to, to you know, and then sometimes he'd put Chase in the slot randomly just because he knew that the way that they were going to cover, he could get Chase in a one-on-one, you know? And he did, he killed Navy with that. And that was a pretty decent Navy defense. But he started putting Chase in the slot that game. Creativity moving guys around and and we just don't see that so i want to see a little bit of creativity because that actually hurts wake force it's not just doing it just for the sake of doing it some weeks you don't need to be super creative you know but this is one of those weeks where that type of action the double action you know the and then uh nc state comes out and gets like a how long was that reverse do you did you remember how long that was let me find that um but they ran a reverse to um to the concepcion kid and he goes out oh, and runs dude. for let me see here. That's, what, see, that's, that's something you mentioned. It him. was a that's something they figured out, regardless of who the quarterback is. This freshman is our chess piece. Right. On offense. He's the way we're going to get big plays and influence the defense. And it's funny. This is the irony of it, Brian. This is the irony. I asked you who the chess piece was. You went for you 65 answered, yards, by the way. You answered quickly. Oh, it's Jeremiah Love. You know who else knows Jeremiah Love is a chess piece? The other every team. Time he comes, watch every yeah. time he comes in the backfield. Watch how everybody on the defense is like. Right. And, like, and that's the point. Up, yeah. That's the point I use. Like Tommy Reese did this in the bowl game last year. Tommy Reese mm-hmm. learned early on whenever Chris Tyree goes in motion, this team overreacts to it. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff I can do off of it that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with actually getting Chris Tyree the football. It's let me send him on a jet motion and run counter backside away mm-hmm. from it. Because they're going to be slow reacting to the counter. I'm going to gain leverage. And Buckner's going to get the easiest 20-some yard gain I've ever, he's ever had in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are things you do. You know, you know these teams are are going to, you, you know, you, you got Braden Lindsay some jets. And you got Chris Tyree some things. And so when he goes in motion, you know, 
spam. Hey, fake it. Take a shot down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put Jeremiah Love and you know, but you got to – the thing right now is those things won't work because you don't ever give those guys the football in those situations. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm coming out early. Like, it was a 65-yard run to Con- the Ke- the Ke- Kevin Concepcion, true freshman. You're telling me – you're telling me that Kevin Concepcion, a true freshman, is better – is a better, more dynamic football player than Chris Tyree, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price, Jaden Faison, Tobias Merriweather. Those are all the healthy guys that Notre Dame has right now. You're telling me that kid is a more dynamic player than all the kids that Notre Dame has? Bull crap. He's not. But you know what they've done? Is they said, look, we're going to teach him how to play, and we're going to do a lot of different things to get this kid to football. So he's their leading receiver. He's got 50 catches for 573 yards. So you know what mm-hmm. they did against Wake Forest? They gave him five freaking handoffs for 86 yards. He had three catches for 19 yards. Mm-hmm. That you'd think it'd be the other way around, right? No, Brian, you're reading that wrong. He had he had five catches for 86 yards and three rushes for 19 yards. Nope. Five rushes for 86 yards, three catches for 19. NC State did that. So you tell me that kid, this is why I get so sick of the excuses. Oh, the good enough players are too banged up. Bullcrap. That's excuses. I'm sick of excuses. You've got enough talented players. Kevin Concepcion can do that, but Braylon James can't do anything. Nothing. No snaps. Really? He can't run three routes? Well, he's not ready yet. Then you need a new you need a new way of coaching them at wide receiver. Yes. Th- that that's what I'm that's like, okay, you know, hey, Jeremiah Love can't do some of that stuff. You you tell me a combination of three of them can't give me some of the stuff that Kevin Concepcion can do? Really? That's what I have to believe. I don't believe that. And and that's the frustrating thing. But again, I think it goes back to an overall philosophy of we're we're just we're gonna do what we do and we're just gonna line up and and not attack and not be great because we don't want to make it because hey, if you run a reverse like that, something bad could happen. Remember that one time we handed the ball off 19 years ago and it got fumbled on a reverse? Can't make sure that can't happen again. Right? That's that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Okay, then don't run a reverse, run a shovel where if he drops it, it's an incomplete pass. Stuff's not going to work sometimes. Yeah. It's just not going to work sometimes. Especially you got to be willing to say, we're still going to go because yeah. when it does work, it's going to go. And you you got to have that mindset. And to me, we can all talk about Jared Parker and all this other kind of stuff. But, like, I've seen some of this stuff in practice. I've seen it in practice. I've seen them be aggressive in practice. We saw them against the ARP. Like, I know Jared Parker can be creative because I've seen him do it. I've seen him be creative. Saw him be creative early in the year. I've seen him be creative against teams that aren't good. I know he can do it. Why are they not that way when they play better teams? Why? Why? Whose decision is that? And if that is a decision by the offensive coordinator, that's where the head coach comes in and says, dude, stop being that way. I want you to be the same guy against them that you are against them. And if it's the head coach, then he needs to recognize, I got to stop handcuffing them in these bigger games. So either way, the head coach needs to be able to say, hey, guys, the guy that gave me this great RPO package in the first half against Pitt, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Because that would have been great against Clemson's aggressive defense. Because yeah. Clemson did some things in that game that Notre Dame wasn't expecting. 
But my whole thing is, but then that's where you agree. You quickly recognize it and you say, Hey guys, you're getting, the, you're getting your break. Hey guys, remember that those, those RPOs we ran against Pitt last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they're giving us a, a, a lot of cover one. Let's, let's go back to that. Right. Yeah. You go over it. You, you, they know, they know how to do it. They just freaking ran it last week. <clears throat> and you know, those type of things I'm like, you know, then adjust on the fly. And, let's and we be just honest. didn't really see that. Right. Let's be, give credit. Because you, you talk about play calling, and you pointed this out. Because we were talking, you were at the game. You and I are talking, like, after plays, right? Because you know, I'm looking on the TV. I might not see something that you see from up top. Dude, Notre Dame comes out. They understand Clemson's light on the edge. They understand their strength and the run defense is up the middle with Jeremiah Trotter and the defensive tackles. So what do they do in the run game? They attack the edges. They come out, they attack the edges early. Estimate's killing them. They go right down the field. And I text you after, you know, I'm like, oh, man, we're killing them with the tight formations, running right at them, like take their heart. Man, why do you call that play right there? Why do you try to throw a screen play to Chris Tyree? And you said, Sean, Clemson was totally confused. Yeah, He's like, if you were here, it was wide open. Look. Jared Parker didn't know his quarterback was going to have bad footwork and throw a terrible ball behind Chris Tyree. He didn't know that one of the blockers was going to whiff on the block when they had three on two on the outside. And your text to me was, dude, if they execute that, it's a touchdown. Like, it was a great exactly. play call because well, it confused the heck out of Clemson. Yeah. And it was aggressive. Yeah, you can stay yeah. with what you're doing. But he got aggressive and took right. a shot, and they didn't execute it. So now – And then they went away from it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there was another time they call a they call a tunnel screen backed up deep in their own territory, and if Sam Hartman doesn't throw a ninety five mile an hour missile a foot well, above Chris Tyree's head, or Tyree. no, yeah, Tyree, Tyree, that yeah. might go, that yeah. might go, and, and so you, you see, but but the problem is there's those those instances against Clemson were like few and far between, right? You know, but like right. Clemson game to me was more about the quarterback has to throw the freaking ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can complain about play calling all you want, and there were some the quarterbacks got to throw the ball. You, you design a play on first and ten where. You know, you've got Rico Flores wide freaking open and he never goes to him, you know, on a three and out series. You've got another series where you've got Tobias Merriweather in a one on one outside. He smokes um, Nate Wiggins off the line and is as open as you're ever going to be against Nate Wiggins if he doesn't fall down and doesn't throw it. Again, that's the whole thing is. But when your mindset is don't mess up, 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 you can paralyze a quarterback. And that's the whole point. And and so. You need to have some of that creativity. You need to be aggressive and you need to be physical. That's what I want to see. And defensively, Sean, it's short and sweet. Do you? Right? Man. Do you? Go, go out sound. with a bang, right? Go yeah. out with a bang, right? Yeah. Be aggressive, attack, yeah. do 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 you and execute well. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, the defense had a down game against Clemson. And, and I use those air quotes because you know, people look at oh, they had uh that uh Starting tailback rush for 186 yards. Yeah, okay. He needed 36 carries to do it, and they finished it for 285 yards. Notre Dame held Clemson's offense to their lowest yardage output of the season by about 50 yards. Notre Dame held Clemson to their lowest yards per play average of the season. Of uh, now, it's oh, well, Clemson's offense isn't very good. It's still not very good. Yeah, you know, Notre Dame had some bad plays. Yeah, they gave up the 41 yard gain. That was a bad play. Right, but Clemson still had 285 yards of offense and only went for one point one point four point one three yards per play. That's what they did. And 
Notre Dame still lost. The last time Clemson went for that low of a yardage total was in 2021 in a season-opening game against Georgia, the yeah. eventual national champions who had one of the best defenses I've ever seen that, that year. Yeah. Right? That's the last time Clemson was held to that low of a yards per play average. So don't tell me the defense is why they lost. Did the defense make mistakes? Yes. The whole point is when the defense doesn't play perfect football or elite football, they have a hard time beating anybody good. And that's that's got to get fixed. So defense, keep doing what you're doing, right? Don't yeah. don't 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 take step back. Take take steps back. Be aggressive. Keep doing what you're doing. Attack. You know, go after this O line. This is a terrible offensive line. We'll get into it in a second. Go after them and heat them up and and, and do what you do. This is this is all going to be about for defense, Sean. To me, it's just it's just going to be a, all I really care about. Is, it's a body language game for me. I want to see who wants to go out there and dominate. That that's what I care about. I don't. I don't, you know, Al Golden's doing a good job. Are there things that I wish you'd do differently? That's always true. I mean, if I'm not, if I don't have anything, then I'm not doing my job. I, I, I really don't. But Al Golden's coached 10 games this year where he gave his team a chance to win with the job they did. Sorry, they just did. You held Louisville to seven points at the first half and the first drive of the second half. You force a fumble deep in their own territory. What else can you do? Eventually the dam broke. You know, that wasn't on them. So just keep doing what you're doing. And and so now a lot of frustrations are being voiced today, Sean, too. But I'm also excited because I do think if this team can end well, because, look, they're rolling and recruiting. They yes. still are. I mean, they're rolling and recruiting right now. Yeah. You know, this, this 24 class is going to be special. And, you know, we'll see how the 25 class comes together. It's still early, but they're on the verge of closing on some really good football players in the 25 class as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so – you know, that part's good. They're, they're going to be a, even more talented next year. They're just going to be a lot younger next year. But I want to see this team go into the offseason with a lot of momentum. And momentum isn't always winning. Because remember, end of the 2015 season, part of the lack of momentum wasn't just that they lost the last two games, but they hadn't played well in a month. They didn't play well against Wake. They didn't play well against against Stanford. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, BC. Um, you know, so they weren't playing well either. It wasn't just that they were winning. They weren't playing well. If this team can finish playing well, playing aggressively, it's about an attitude adjustment, and it can start now. And I want to see – I would love to see Jared Parker just kind of come out on Saturday and be like, okay, you guys want me to – you know, you want my job, you want all this, you want all that. Okay, F y'all. You know what I mean? And just come out and just let it all hang out, man. What have you got to that's, lose? I mean – yeah, what that's you got the one to lose? thing I respect the most about Al Golden, or have come I've come to respect Al Golden about. Al Golden want this is the way we're going to do it, and as much as we complained and said, "Well, man, you, you over blitz, you do this, you do that," we're going to be an aggressive defense. That's we're going to play to our strength. We're going to play to our defensive backs, and we're going to come after you. And it's like you know what. You might get hit and out scheme, right? You know, they, they hit them, you know, because they didn't set the edges early. They hit them with the Moffa touchdown, you know, the 44-yarder, some other things. But eventually, we're going to get you. And that's mm-hmm. aggression. So that, that kind of goes to offense and what we want to see. The offense of all two, yeah, we, you might, we might get one turnover, negative play, incompletion. But eventually, oh, we're going to get you. We're going to hit you once or twice, and we're going to put 14 points on the board, and you win the game by putting points on the board. That, that's how you win the game. 
So I, I just really believe, Brian, you know, I just think once he gets his guys in the building, he's going to be more comfortable. I just think I'm reading the situation and I'm like, I just don't, at some point, he became uncomfortable with Sam Hart. If he's sitting there and he's watching the film as a defensive guy and he's seeing these open guys week after week and he's seeing certain decisions being made and he's like, you know, at what point does he become uncomfortable? So we talk about, yeah, you know, man, he has the reins. He's holding the reins a little bit too tight. Like we do. Maybe he came into the season confident that, oh, we got to do at quarterback. And then, you know, the first three, then four I, games against lesser competition, like, okay, yeah, I like then what I'm he, seeing. Then he gave up on it super quick, though. That that's a possibility. That that's that'd be my that's problem. You know that he gave up on it. What after the wait after the Ohio State game? Isn't that right. why you know the whole mean? spook the whole spook thing was weird? Like, dude, this is a fifth year quarterback. He spooked right. by a pick six. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, dude, no, that, that there's something else going on absolutely. beyond that, and and absolutely. that's that's why I come down to it and say, like, look, clearly there's something that has happened in how. This team is playing, whether it's not having faith in the receivers, whether it's, you know, the, the reads are not being coached to him in a way where he's comfortable. Maybe they're not being repped enough to where he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they're repping a million plays and he's not getting enough work on on them to where he's comfortable on, okay, what do I do if they show this look? What if I do if they show that look? And that's the thing is like, you know, give me a little less, but be really good at what you do with that little bit of less. So that way the quarterback knows if they give me this coverage, I'm throwing here. If they give me that coverage, I'm going there. If they give me this coverage, I got to check to this, right? And, and you know, may, maybe it's that. I, I don't know what the answers are, right? I'm not paid because millions of dollars now, to do so. I want you to remember the, the breadcrumbs. There was a lot of people were like, oh, man, I don't know if he should have done that. He was asked a question the Monday after the Ohio State game. And he said concerning both of the fourth downs, specifically the one where Sam scrambled to the right mm-hmm. and really didn't put forth effort, Marcus is like, man, he knows he's got to be better at that. He knows right. he has to go get that. Sure. It, it was just – it seems like it's been little things building. Yeah, but to me, then that's still on you, though, as a head coach because your job I'm, is to say, I'm, hey, I'm, look. I'm, I'm just I explaining how it got I, to the right. point that we are now. Right. Like, I'm not taking it as a defense of mm-hmm. – of, uh, you know, it, but it's more of like, but then that's when you got to step up and say, "Hey, man, this is why I brought you in." Like, if mm-hmm. I was in the shoes, I'd say, I'd sat him down, say, "Look, man, let's just sit down and, and just sit here for ten minutes, right?" And uh, we don't need to talk. We're just gonna sit here for ten minutes. And then you dim the lights, pull up the video screen, hit play, and show me all ninety-five deep balls he threw last year. At Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. I need that guy. I brought you here to be that guy. Here's the thing: I don't think they want him to be that guy. Right. Like, you know, and, and that that that's my that's my problem and, and, and say, well, you know, I think he's lost faith in certain guys. Again, that's where the coach has got to step up and say, hey, man, that's not your job. Your job is not to decide not to throw to that guy because you don't trust him. Your job is to throw the ball to that guy. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't catch it, that's on him. That's not your job. You're not catching the ball. And so there's all types of things where I, I think there's merit to what you're saying. But that's part of a coach's job is to say, hey, we've got this kid. And if you don't think he can get out of it, then you put somebody else in there. 
right? And 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 that's that's my thing, right? Like like Jack mm-hmm. Kaiser went through a period in 2019, 2021 where he was struggling a little bit mentally. And Tommy Reese got him out of that. And he went and rolled the second half of the year. Right? Your job is, hey man, look, don't worry about that. Don't worry about how bad you played against Virginia Tech. Don't worry about all this. Don't worry about that. I just need you to go relax and go play ball, man. And Jack sm- cruised down the second half of the year. Because mm-hmm. Jack Jack Cohn went through a little bit of a similar struggle to what Sam Hartman went through about the same time, about week five, yeah. week six. Cincinnati yeah. played really didn't play well against Wisconsin, gets banged up, doesn't yeah. play well against Cincinnati, gets benched against Virginia Tech, right? Similar deal. But then when he came out of that, they yeah. said, hey, man, you're still our guy. We believe in you. We need you to get back to being that guy that ripped up Florida State. Right. We need you get we need you not worry about making mistakes. We need you to go go play ball. Yeah. And and rip some people up. And and so yeah. that's that's part of what coaching is, right? Is is to yeah. say, hey, look, he isn't pl- doing what we need him to do. So let's figure out what the reason is and and get there. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But that's gonna do it for the, this portion of the show, Sean. We're gonna preview Wake Force a little bit next. But before we do, folks, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast platform, you can give us a five-star review. If you are not listening to the Lucky Lefty podcast, which is hosted by Sean Davis, you can get all of those podcasts at CFB Nation. So definitely subscribe to the CFB Nation channel. Sean, I know you uploaded one already this morning. I know you and Malik are gonna go again live, I believe, tonight. And you'll have that show up again tomorrow. You can also get our CFB All-America show, guys. They talked about Jimbo Fisher's firing on their show yesterday. Also broke down the games from this past weekend. And then they'll have their uh, previews coming up here over the next couple of days as well. So definitely going to want to check that out. <laughs>